Eyes and Ears podcast is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Spokane. Speak Spokane is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Spokane, and at their website, speakpodcasting.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. Welcome to Eyes and Ears Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bogue. This is my co-host over here, Billy Powers. Hey, how's it going? Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Houdini Interactive, a local full-stack development and design digital agency, and of course, Speak Studios. Uh, we'll talk to bands, venues, a bunch of musicians, uh, marketers, promoters, you name it, in the music and marketing scene. Um, happy to be here. Episode five, Billy. Happy to be here. Episode five. I'm really excited about this today. We have Scott Rozell. You guys will remember him as a drummer for some uh, Northwest iconic punk bands. I like them. That was my punk beat. I, I got to work on that. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Oh, you got it, yeah, Dan. You got that. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear that again. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got that. That's a little Pennywise there for you. Let's do it. Well, Scott Rosell, he's from Iconic uh, Bands here in the Northwest, uh, Moral Crux and uh, Scatterbox. Love those guys. And uh, he's also, while he was playing in those bands, he started his own record label called Black House Records in 2000. And since then, he's been doing it, uh, putting out records, not only for his artists, but for dozens of other artists in all around the country. And uh, anyway, Scott, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Welcome. <laughs> well, How's it going? <laughs> thanks for driving. There was a little uh, faux pas. We sent the invite with a Google link, a uh, video link, so he thought. Yeah. I mean, when it's COVID times, you get a video link, you're jumping on a video link. Yeah, it's like, what's yeah. up? It makes sense. <laughs> it's like right? second nature now. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. No. We're going to, we're here to slash that video link in half. Good. <clears throat> no more video links for this podcast. That's awesome. Um. How's life? Uh, you said uh, you're living out and kind of in the woods these days. Yeah, um, it's been good. It's been good. It's I'm pretty mellow. I mean, I think we've been out. I live out kind of in the woods near Silverwood, kind of north of not not in like Athol, like the town, but kind of before it. Yeah, just kind of this weird area between like Rathroom and that that spot. Does um, that feel kind of like you're been? Oh, like around the whole pandemic but away from it at the same time Does for the most part that? yeah like you're just as isolated well and you move out there and after a while you kind of get to the point where you don't want to go anywhere anyway so like right we had already been there a few years and i was starting to really settle into being at home more often and just kind of doing my own thing and then and then this happened and I was like, yeah. well not much is gonna change other than <laughs> yeah right i just need to <laughs> stay home more i guess and so it didn't not, affect you as much. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it not, I don't think at first, but then I think the gravity of everything kind of set in and yeah, it got a little scary. So, right. Yeah. And I think, I, I don't know. I, I noticed that it's not, I mean, it's not uncommon to see it actually kind of take a mental toll on a lot of people. Like it's, yeah. Oh, no, I totally, I feel like, uh, I didn't realize it, but halfway through the pandemic, I was like, I think I'm depressed a little bit. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just like not around. I'm not, the regular modes of life are gone. Yeah. I don't know, and it just kind of it kind of wears on you a little bit. I don't yeah. even think it. It's like yeah. a slow crawl. You don't notice. You, know? you don't even realize it. Yeah, and then one day you realize like I sleep way more than I should. And it, my big yeah. thing was I was eating a lot. Like it was it was weird. Like I I, I think it was just out of boredom because I was just home more. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. just snacking like at random on on different stuff totally and then before i realized it i was like gaining weight and i'm like dude what what is going on here and then and i i started to like worry about that but then i think about a month or two into it greg greg bennick a guy who sang for the band trial he he's uh he was he's over in seattle he posts something uh one day that just said um i don't know what it is but is it just me or like i'm eating constantly like i'm eating like i like i haven't eaten like three months and <laughs> right. I'm, I'm like i'm like bloated and tired all the time <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. going on and i'm just thinking to myself okay good no it's not just me so yeah just, well it's like what's for lunch what's yeah. for dinner right like, and it just kind of becomes your event yeah. you know we we never know what we have until it's taken from us and right even if you don't go out that much or like don't go to shows as much you know once that's taken away it's like okay yeah that, you know that was I enjoyed that part and my home life. And now I just got like the home life and that's right. it, you know, yeah. what that, did you get? So what's the, what's the cure for that? Did you get back on the drums a little bit extra and just start wailing? Or, uh, you know? No, <laughs> no, actually. Uh, you would think that I, would happen. I wanted <laughs> yeah. to musicians. Yeah. yeah. Like I wanted to, but the thing is, is so my wife is a, um, she's a, she's the office manager and like a, a licensed vet tech at, um, at an animal hospital in in the area oh cool and we have rescue animals and stuff so we've got like a few cats we've got a dog and uh you know she she has like a long history with like horse riding like english type stuff and um and we have we've just got all these animals that i mean and some of them are a little older and yeah and all that and they're all rescue folks and uh so i'm not really set up anywhere in the house to be able to like do that because yeah. they'll die. They'll probably yeah, die the, the, from like, the stress, the PTSD that they already exactly. Have. Oh, yeah. yeah. So right. we have to keep things a little quiet there. Um, but I do have a kit set up there um, because at the time, like beforehand, before you know some things changed, um, I was able to a little more often. But then um, now that Scatterbox is, is practicing again, we finally um, I, I've got a kit over at our guitar. Okay, oh, that's and, nice. Yeah, okay. we just practice. Well, how does so. it? So, because I, I don't remember this, I'm trying to. Because I was for this podcast, I was trying to remember maybe the first time I saw you guys, uh, first time I saw Scatterbox, or first time I saw you. I can't. Were, what were you? What? Where, I can't where, where did that. you start? That's how did? How? When did you start playing drums? Or when did um, Scat? What were, were you in a band before Scatterbox? What? Yeah, I was in. I was in a couple. Just. Um, like the first band I ever, like, re, I guess what you would call like real band with like other people was, right. um, this punk band called second notice that I was in with, uh, these two twin brothers that I met in middle school. <laughs> so <laughs> right. they had a drum kit. I did not, uh, they wanted a drummer. I wanted to play drums. And, uh, so it kind of worked out It all just, and, and they had just moved here from like Hermosa beach and they lived next door to Fletcher from Pennywise. Like that was their big thing. And when they moved here, awesome their parents like um, had had like just all of a sudden moved everything all at once. They showed up and started going to school uh, at my middle, the, the one I went to and they didn't know anybody. 
and I saw, I think I met Justin first and he had, um, their names are Justin and Jeff Kearns. What's up guys. If they ever hear this, <laughs> I'll probably send them the link anyway. Yeah. But, um, they, uh, one of them showed up to class with like a Pennywise t-shirt and I was like, okay, that that's different. Cause at the time I was listening to a lot of punk rock and you know, um, and that really wasn't very, it, it, for a kid in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, it's not very common, right? Right. To yeah. run into other people that are, you know, into the oh, same Oh, for sure. Stuff, so. Yeah. Um, a so con- I, A lot of country music out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, they had proceeded to tell me that Fletcher sent them here uh, with this giant box of Pennywise merch. Just here you go. You guys are moving to Idaho. Take this with you. And they they had this massive what? box of merch, and that's kind of how we met. And I was yeah. like, "How do you know those guys?" And you know, I I listen to them too. And you know, so that was kind of cool. And then we all just became friends. And they wanted to start a band. And at the time, they were really into like all that old like crusty anarchist punk stuff, like Profane Existence and all that. Yeah. Um, so they that's that's what we did. And it was second notice, and we were doing that for a while, and. Um, but I mean, as far as like a band that actually like spent time playing out, uh, Scatterbox was pretty much the first it was one. The first one. Yeah. What was it? When yeah. was your first gig? Then I'm trying to think. Or like, was that like in? Uh, I think we had started. I think it was like three or four months after we had started. I think we had four or five songs. Our first show was at a Rathroom Grange Hall. I think in 2000. Yeah. So. Um, and it was like a, it was a release party. It was, yeah, it was a CD release party for this pop punk band called against all odds. And they, they asked us to open and, uh, yeah, we played the four songs we know. Twice. Yeah. You rocked that. Yeah. Was that so for you growing like Scatterbox? Were you, did, did you, as, as you're growing up, were you doing a lot, listen to a lot like fat records kind of guy or what was it? Like what, what were your influences yeah, growing up? A little bit of that, that, that came a little later. Like basically, I guess that's right. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, um, I, I grew up in Portland. Uh, well, didn't grow up there, but I was, I was born in, in the Portland area and just growing up really young. Um, everything, the only music that I was really exposed to was just whatever was on the radio and whatever was in my dad's record collection. Um, and it wasn't until I moved here actually up to Coeur d'Alene, um, when my, my parents split, my mom came up here to, to be near her mom because my whole mom's side of the family lives up in this area. Uh, they, she was going back to school and all that. And we would come up for the summer and I met my cousin, Chris, uh, who is probably eight, nine years older than me. He was a skateboarder, like just totally, you know, you look up yeah. to the, you're just like, Whoa, yeah, like yeah. what? And, uh, and he made me, a, we, he made me a, like a mixtape, um, of just all the stuff he'd been listening to. Cause I found his cassette collection, like in his room. And I was like, dude, what are all these bands? And yeah. I had no idea what any of it was and I was just fascinated by it. And he made me a tape with like, I think it was like 90 minutes long. It, it started out with like ministry and the butthole surfers and then like bad brains and yeah. you know, suicidal tendencies and DRI yeah. and all these and velvet underground was on it. And like, um, and it, from that, that was it. I mean, that was pretty much the point where, I mean, I was eight years old and I wouldn't listen to anything else after that. Right. And that's when it kind of got into like, and then I started hearing bands like Nirvana and Mudhoney, and I realized there were a ton of bands from the area that were doing stuff. And then 
Um, and then, yeah, as I got older, like the fat records and the epitaph explosion Stuff, thing yeah. happened and look out and all those. Yeah. I know and, one time I saw, what was it? I saw, I saw suicidal tendencies and good riddance at the rock candy in Seattle. Really? Before that was that place is now it's totally <clears throat> gone. It yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. But is it was, gone? They yeah, like, it's the rock candy doesn't exist rock anymore. It hasn't, gone, it's, yeah. it's been gone for 20 years now or something. Yeah. Well, it's, it's something else. And then I heard they were going to tear it down, like literally tear it down. Yeah, I th- well, uh, I don't know. I think Rock Candy, if Rock Candy might might, might be El Corazon now, but that's the only thing I think yeah. it could be because it's. I, I remember Rock Candy being wasn't Rock Candy a different building? But I'm pretty sure Rock Candy was a whole different building. Yeah. If I can remember correctly, oh, El Corazon was another uh, was another Graceland was El Corazon. That's the one. Okay, I got him confused. But Rock yeah. Candy was still a, Rock Candy there. was some old ass venue in South Lake Union that yeah. right. I only went to the one show there, but I just remember Suicidal Tendencies and Good Riddance tonight. I'd yeah. say uh, Rock Candy, super like fun show. My biggest eye opening into that whole scene was uh, uh, Sick of It All and Hot Water Music and AFI yeah. in one show at Rock Candy. Really? Like, oh man! All three of those bands on one bill. One bill, yeah, at the Rock Dude. Candy. And that'd, I, be a, that'd be awesome. That was, like, that was my like, right? entrance into like that whole scene and everything. I was like, yep, this is it. This what is, a trip this is what to I love. Like the difference in styles of music that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Like totally. I mean, sick of it all. Uh, yeah. Water music. Like, yeah, that, that's but a back, great show. Back in that early two thousands, like they were blending, you know, those bands together. And yeah, um, I also saw, I mean, I was a huge sick of it all fan and, um, sick of it all and H2O at, yeah, that I think it was Graceland at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's see Graceland is like the venue that it, it it almost seemed like any time that we ever made our way over to Seattle to go see a show, it was always at Graceland. So oh, I guess that sure. is yeah, yeah. And then they were called the Off Ramp or something way before that. And I I just yeah, and I remember Rock there. Candy. I just I for some reason I thought that was the same building, but maybe it was yeah, the old that, Moore Theater. Right Rock Candy was like a bit bigger i believe and just had like had two floors you go in there two floors yeah you can watch from the second floor yeah oh, that's that pretty cool. awesome yeah well like okay well enough reminiscing but uh <laughs> yeah those shows are awesome but the rock candy was a great venue and i do miss it but uh um i was curious like what's um what's what's scatterbox up to this today you were just mentioning before we hit the record button that you guys are uh rehearsing again so with, yeah, we, uh, with you know, <clears throat> pandemic starting to get over, or you know, we're hopefully phasing out of it. So. Yeah, um, everybody laid low for you know the the duration of that. Um, I mean, we haven't done a record since like 2015, so it's been it's been a long time. I don't think. I mean, being that, I mean, Scatterbox isn't like the biggest thing in the world. So I mean, I I I mean, we've we've had a few people ask like, are you guys doing anything new anytime soon? Right. Um, but yeah, we've, we've just been busy. Like everybody's married and has kids and like <laughs> just working and, and trying to, you know, make it, make it in life, you know, and not, not get sick and die, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, we, we started practicing again. Um, I think right around January is when, or it was like January, February. It's only been a few months, but we've got, we've got like five new songs put together. We're, we're working on like what will be another full length album. And oh, okay, cool. So that's sometime this year or sometime next year? Shooting for this year. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
It, more realistically, though, I mean, as far as like physical copies and all that, it, it probably it, it may be a safer bet to assume next year just because right. turnaround of time on vinyl and all that stuff. And like, for sure. But it's 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 different now. It's kind of interesting because now, like through all the trial and error and all the label stuff over the years, like I feel like this will be the first time that we'll be able to release something that I really know, like we'll know what to do with it. To like really get it like okay out. right yeah because there were I mean all of those years were like growing pains right you don't yeah I, I was I was learning just like anybody else was trying to figure out how how do you, you know it's you make a record but if no one hears it figure out how you to don't get it out there yeah, yeah right. and that's the hardest part that's and it changes really all the hard. time too I'm sure you know yeah. what's yeah. the best way to distribute something get yeah it. well and you can I mean you can even get PR you know, you can work with PR firms and all that, or you can try to do it yourself. But like, you know, 10, 10 really hot happening, like music blogs, they aren't anything the next year. You know, it's like people, sure. they're, yeah. everybody's attention span is like so short nowadays. It's like, and there's so much coming out because of how easy it is to produce yeah. exactly, music. Right? It's like, like some kid in his basement can like, make a song that will make him like a million bucks, you know, like just because he, he knows what to do with it. Right. Yeah. And it, it cost him nothing more than, you know, whatever it costs is in his time, I guess, for like his laptop and, you know, right. Yeah. So Cubase it's like almost more important to be, I mean, like, I feel like you, we could probably talk about this, you know, talking about black house records is that you could have this moment where, you know, in the past where you, there's these nice traditional channels, you know, you got your PR firm or you've got your, the distribution network puts uh, putting that out in AP or something. I don't know, you know, like the different yeah. ways you might go about doing something. Now it seems like you kind of have to know, you have to be really have your fingers inside the internet and understand all the nuances. Right. Because that's where it's more about like influencers in a way or right. blogs and the different ways that you can get out that way than just, yeah, everybody can it, like, yeah. It's almost like you have to, you, you really have to like almost establish relationships with like, if you're, if you're not, if you're not using some PR firm that really knows what they're doing and they're, they're really good at it and they know all these contacts, it's like, you do have to spend the time to really get to know the people that you're working with, like at these other magazines or whatever, because it's like, they're going back to how much stuff comes out every day, how much content's like produced. It's like, these writers are overwhelmed. Like they're, I mean, the, the people even that are writing freelance, they're like, they get to pick and choose what they want to, they're, they're given total carte blanche to like do whatever and write about whatever they want. So it's like, it, it's, it's hard because if you, if out of a whole staff of like 50 writers at like noisy or something, like you send a press release and if, if they've got other stuff that they'd rather write about, because of you know whatever yeah. influencer is behind it that you don't know about they may yeah. just be like, yeah. and it side. could be that you like and your stuff could be really good it's just it's yeah so do you find you kind of get kind of infiltrate that a little bit with just relationships you've made with those kind of or is that something that you try to do like with your i think it helps but like i i don't yeah. it doesn't i don't think it 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 hasn't come like with the sole purpose of just doing that like a lot of the people that, that we work with, um, we've just kind of met along the way, like either in person or just through doing other things with them, like co-oping things or, or just working on other releases. So, yeah. 
Um, it's weird because like we've, we've had releases come out where we'll have a PR guy working the release. And then those, like some of those writers will actually like write us directly later and be like, Hey, you know, would you want to do this later? Or would you want to write a feature or something like that? Like they want, they Mm want to work with the label in some other, you know, capacity beyond that. And that's pretty cool. Um, and I mean, it's, it definitely helps. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we still send, I mean, I still send like physical copies of stuff and, and like, you know, direct links, like private links of things to, to different magazines. And, and I mean, these are people like some of these guys I've known for, you know, five, 10 years and some of them are just so swamped. They just can't do it yeah. that, you know, but then like the next release, it's like another thing right you send it their way and they're like oh yeah cool i'm wide open i'll yeah we'll totally write yeah. a feature on this and it's, it's all timing cool. like, yeah see what happens yeah so yeah, yeah i think that i i mean i that's what i was kind of wondering is like inside of um inside of the digital music you know renaissance revolution whatever you want to call it is it's really it's got to be really hard to cut through the noise because like you said like any kid with a laptop and a couple decent mics can put something out that's like it's going to sound like something, you know, we were putting out 15 years ago. You know, it'll mm-hmm. sound good. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's really hard to, like, cut through that noise. It'll, it'll sound like something that we all had to go to a studio for and spend thousands of dollars or whatever. Right. Just to, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. to get it to sound like it does now, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a trip. Yeah. yeah, that is kind of crazy. More I mean, power to them, though. I mean. Yeah, totally. You know, I, I wish. I When I was that age, like, even, I mean, I'm almost 40 now. So it's like, even then, like, that would have been killer for any any one of us and any one of the bands like any one of us had played in yeah. like that would have been rad and like you save so mm-hmm. much money and yeah just exactly spend more money on like trying to like get your release out get it out in some in way, a way. Yeah. what i've found is even though the access is there a lot of bands still just don't know how to do it you know um a lot of people you'll have the random kid in his basement that's just like studying up on it but yeah a lot of bands that i know you know, still need that kind of marketer or label to like show them how to do it. Cause they're just kind of focused just on the music of yeah part of it. Um, marketing is not, you know, doesn't come second nature to right. music, you know, music or being a musician. Yeah. Well, and it, I mean the marketing part of it helps, but it's at the same time, it's like we, you know, we'll have stuff that comes out that we'll promote the hell out of, and it'll get a lot of attention by, you know, magazines and blogs and yeah. college radio and stuff, but it still doesn't sell. I mean, it, you know, and I, I have to like tell bands that up front, like be ready because it's possible that this may not, this may not make any difference whatsoever. But the good thing is, is that at least people will have heard about you and they'll know who you are. So if down the road they decide they want to check it out, they will. They see um, it. Yeah. I, yeah. I think yeah more people are going to sell their stuff like touring and like playing yeah. shows and then people are For just sure. going directly to them to, to yep. buy it you know word of mouth too just yeah it's amazing yeah. like we have uh like this um like slug christ i mean he we've we've done five or six albums for him now and a book and his word of mouth like just just his like the the traffic that he gets on on his own instagram page is like I mean, yep. it, it blows, yeah. yeah, blows away any PR he could get. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Well, let's, yeah. let's say about like, so like with uh black house, I mean, you started it in 2000 and then you, 
I mean, you've done you you started off mostly just doing you know obviously it was mostly just all punk rock. It was just punk stuff. Yeah. And then uh, there was a point where you even you pivoted and you were starting to do some other you know, like music types. You're doing some like hip hop and stuff like that. It's like how how did that how did that come about? Like what did you try? How did how did you decide to try that out or like how did that transfer? Um, so label went dormant for a while. Um, I was doing I was putting out like limited, you know, just CD release stuff. Yeah, really small stuff until, um, I I got the chance to put out a, a to re-release a spoken word comp that um, Eugene Robinson, uh, he's the singer of the band Oxbow. Mm-hmm. He um. He runs a late, he used to run a label called CFY out of California. And he, he, this thing had come out on vinyl and never seen the light of day on CD. And I was like, well, I mean, nothing's, you're not doing anything with this. Do you want me to put it out? It's never, it's not even on iTunes. Like this thing's awesome. Like, do you want to put it out? Sure. And so I re-released it. Um, it wasn't until, and there's like no music on that thing. And it wasn't until, uh, vice wrote something about that re-release. And, and like, it was like outside of the local area, like no one cared about the label, like, or or anything we were doing until vice wrote a piece on that release. And that's when I was kind of thinking, well, I mean, might as well, you know, try putting out releases of of other stuff. Cause I mean, punk rock is great. I mean, you know, it's what I grew up on and, but I also listened to lots of other stuff. And I mean, I like lots of different kinds of music, so I'm not. I just didn't really see the point in just kind of pigeonholing the label into one yeah, genre. Sense. I mean, a lot of labels do that and that's great. Right. Um, and I mean, they're super successful at it. Um, Cause they'll, I mean, that's, that kind of creates the audience of like, Oh, that, you know, they put out this album. So I know I'm going to like this one. Right. With us. Eh, maybe not. I mean, but I like it and, and I like supporting the artists that I'm working with because they're, they're good people and they, you know, they work really hard and, um, the music's good to me, I guess. I yeah, know. right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's good to other people, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like after that, it was just, uh, it wasn't until, uh, like the label kind of died off for a couple of years right after, um, Scatterbox's, uh, ritual record came out. And then, um, a couple of years later, I just wanted to start it back up. Um, wasn't really sure why I just figured I'd give it a real shot. You know, I ran into some extra cash, decided to try to invest it and make it work. Yeah. And uh, the first releases after kind of the radio silence were um, the Color Flies. Um, that was the first. And then a band from here called Rotmonger, uh, who are, I, I they're not a band anymore, but they've they've got a few releases out. Um, but they knew uh, Slug Christ and Raskas, the rapper. Um, and they had done some, like, work with him like some feature stuff and uh, Ben, their drummer, Benjamin Hall, he uh, got a hold of me one day and just said, dude, you should sign slug Christ. And I was like, I, I just, I was like, I, mm. uh, I, I, well, first of all, I thought he was signed already. And then, um, but it wasn't, it was, he was just part of like this rap kind of crew thing from Atlanta. And uh, they had the name awful records. And so they weren't like a formal like record company. They just, yeah. they use that name. Yeah. Um, so he's like, well, he's looking for somebody to put out vinyl. So do you, you should, I, I can get you his email or phone number or whatever. And, and it just kind of went from there. And then it was like, well, what about Raskas? He's like, sure. 
And then Ras Castle, we asked him in like June that year, whatever year it was. He um he said, Cool, I'll I'll think on it for a little while. And then four months later, he's like, Hey, do you want to do a double vinyl re-release of Soul on Ice? Um, like a 20th anniversary thing. Sure. Yeah. And that was just cool. kind of how it happened. And then nice. And before I knew it, I was putting out jazz records and like, like a little <laughs> yeah. bit of everything. More hip- get that, right? That's kind of how it goes, I guess. Yeah. Is you get that momentum, and then just more people hear about it, and then yeah. you should do this, and you kind of make that decision and stuff. Um, is it just you with Black House? I mean, um, as far as like day to day goes, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's I consider all the people that we work with, though. Like, I mean, everybody from manufacturers to PR people and. And yeah, everybody. I mean, so you kind of partner up with, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to consider them involved cause I don't, I mean, it, I can't do this without them. Yeah. I mean, it's not possible like distributors, like the account managers that handle that stuff, like who take our stock and like work to get it into stores or make it available at least online or whatever. Yeah. It's like that. It's not me doing that by myself, yeah. you know? No, so you, have, I, you have your network of people that kind of works hand in hand with, yeah. Yeah, they just happen to work for other companies. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, that's that's uh, kind of the way to go. Uh, you know, a lot of people look at a record label or they're like, and it's just one person representing, you know, not a lot of people know what goes into that and what Stress. and how that, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> with with any, any business really. I mean, um, with my business, you know, it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's finding the partners where, you know, in the areas that aren't your, your best, um, kind of talent, I guess. Right. And just kind of make sure that you bring the right people in to make it a success. Exactly. So. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, you, and it's, we've, we've run into that uh, a few times where we've worked with people that were unsavory characters, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and yeah. I, sometimes it, it ends amicably. Sometimes it doesn't, but, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you find good people and, you know, they're down to earth and they're not out of their minds and trying yeah. to rip you off. Yeah. yeah you know, but oh, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm sure it's a little different in the, in the music industry too, you know, of well, finding yeah, I mean, the right people. Well, and you guys know, I mean, you, you're, your guys' histories with, I mean, you, especially you with booking. I mean, yeah. dude, how many, how many times I'm sure venues even like in the music industry, like you probably got, or at least they tried to rip you off. Like yeah, sure. when you were responsible for booking bands. I mean, I remember you remember like, when you were booking, like when I was younger and we first met, I just remember you had, you always had the, like, you were on point with the flyers. Like that was that the yeah. flyers were the big standout. Oh, yeah. Like what's this flyer bill is going to put together going to look like. And they, they were always amazing. They were super clean. And I was always like, damn, dude, every time I book a show, my flyers suck. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, and then you started and then like, and then you started booking the Cove Bowl. Yeah. Right. And like, yeah, that was, and I, I just thought like years later because like we were touring and you did come up in a conversation once among the band because we were like, man, I wish Cove Bowl was around. I was like, man, they have Bill and all that. And we were like, dude, I wonder like, cause we got ripped off a few times on tour, like just yeah. flat out, like club owners would just leave, you know? And like, no, you couldn't find the promotion guy, like yeah. to pay you like your guarantee. And I used to do this thing where we I called it the the walk of shame where mm-hmm. for me and it was like um 
after if a show didn't do very well and i was like well heading to the atm to grab money for that guarantee because yeah. i don't i didn't get enough at the door i've had to and, do that too you know it's like it's it's a it's a super huge bummer i do take a little bit of pride in that like i, I mean i won't say that uh, i i remember one time it was like well, at a place the detour mm-hmm. here in spokane and some band had played and i just had i made like no there was no money like Everybody yeah. got on the guest list. There was three people paid or something. Oh, and I think that was the one time. Sorry about that. I think, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Matt. I think that was the one time I, I feel like I, I uh, for shame on me, but that was the only time in like the 10, 15 years I booked shows where I ever like, I felt like I was like, I can think in my head like, oh, I, I, I did I did a band wrong. You know what I mean? But, uh, and I, that band was, uh, you guys will get a kick out of this, Himza. I don't know. If you oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, John. Did they beat yeah. you up or oh, what? Petty Bone was sorry, pissed John. as hell, but Kirby. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Don't mess with those. Well, guys. like I remember, you were always really solid with all the bands. Like I just, I always thought of it as like, okay, I'm a promoter, and a lot of the time, those venues don't want the promoters like really. Sometimes they they make you be pretty hands off because they want to just control everything, right? Yeah. And those are the guys who disappear. Yeah. And then they leave you high and dry. And then you're like, dude, like, what am I going to, you know? And then you're, I mean, that happened with Green Jelly. Like, I mean, at a show, not, not one of the ones that I got to play. I played with them for a little while too. Yeah. But, um, like right after they did another run of shows with a different drummer, I think it was like the second show, some guy in Canada who owned a club just bailed on the promoter who was supposed to turn around and pay everybody. And, and, and that was the thing is like, I remember booking shows under the black house name and promoting them and stuff. And like, um, I remember probably the highest profile one that I think I ever booked was Kylesa and uh, Genghis Tron came over Oh, cool on tour and they played, I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah. yeah they played <laughs> over, um, I think it was the Boulevard actually. It might've been. Yeah. Um, and I remember their guarantee wasn't a whole lot, but it was more than I was used to dealing with. And, and we made it like the, the, the venue broke even and luckily everything worked out. But I thought we were talking about, that's what, what it came back to is scatterbox was talking about like how you were like super solid and nobody ever had any problems. Like, like with, with you and the way you ran things. But then we were like, dude, could you imagine like how many ulcers that dude's gotten from like <laughs> having to deal with that shit over the years? Because that being a club promoter or not a but like yeah. running a like even like um do you know Ryan, the the guy from um from Monumental? Uh, yes, yes, sorry. yeah, his Riley. good friend, yeah. All those guys like all the guy all the work that you guys do to me is like horrifying. <laughs> because you're the one who has to like look them in the eye and say like Sorry. And then the, the amount of money that you risk is like scary. But then I also have people telling me like, it's scary that you drop like, you know, thousands of dollars into like oh, vinyl yeah. for an album that you may not. Right. Yeah, ever exactly. I mean, to me, it's scary <laughs> what both of y'all do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I <laughs> last that long. You're like, I'm not making money. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Right. The one time I had the, 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 I've, I've had to do this, uh, you know, plenty of times where the bands were like, hey, we know the turnout was bad. We really appreciate you just paying us the full guarantee, not trying to, like, skimp out on us. And mm-hmm. there was one time I booked uh, Poison the Well at the Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And, and they were they were like, How, how'd the door do? I was like, well, I mean, it didn't do that good. Because you give them the numbers at the end of the night. And, yeah. they, and I just remember the lead singer was like, well, how about you just give us, you know, a 
you know, two thirds of what of the guarantee. And I was like, wow, I, I double take like five times. Cause I was like, this is, that's the only time that's ever happened where somebody's like, yeah, you don't have to give us the whole guarantee. I was like, are you <laughs> shitting me? That's really, you cool. don't have to give me the, I was like, that's the best moment of my life as a wow. promoter. I was like, okay. You just hug them. Yeah, I was just like, thank <laughs> yeah. you so much. They were actually the coolest guys. I mean, yeah. those guys yeah. were really awesome. Well, that's, I mean, being a local band too, like you'd run into that situation where it's like, you know, the the venue or the promoter is not making the money. Yeah. And I would just be like, hey, we don't need a cut of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, most of the time, the local band, opening band doesn't get a cut anyways, but. <laughs> Scatterbox you know, would just, we would just leave. You just. Like we'd play. I mean, a, if we knew. Get a beer like, tab and that's it. Yeah. Like if we knew there was no money coming in and like somebody had to cover, you know, a traveling band, we wouldn't even stick around. We'd just, we'd just be like, hey, thanks for having us. See ya. Right. We just, we'd, we'd play and take off for the night. Like after yeah. the show was over, I mean, nobody would even bother to ask. It was just like, well. Yeah. And then, I mean, there were a couple of times where we actually like would get messages like text messages from somebody like, Hey, just by the way, you guys made like 80 bucks tonight or whatever. Yeah. Or like we did. Like, <laughs> okay. That's always, okay. Surprise, well, I guess it's you know, to us. that's kind of neat. We're already anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like a day later. Like what? You know, sometimes wow. it's like, Hey, Being you guys honest. got like 15 bucks. And it's like, <laughs> right. cool. Yeah. I, I won't come back to that, but thanks. I appreciate <laughs> Free it. Free beer. Well, yeah. like, you know, so like with, you know, concerts then, I mean like in the COVID times, I, I, one thing I was curious about with like Black House or with records or, or with touring is, do you see, uh, is there like a one to one, you see like the ratio of like record sales go down because nobody can tour? I mean, like that's, is that like, so people aren't aware of the bands or so if you got some vinyl for sale and then these bands aren't touring, is that, does that directly hurt like album sales or like, how does that work? Um, no, it's actually kind of been the opposite. Really? Um, okay. Well, yeah, it's just like people are relying more on the internet now to find music. Yeah. Because they have to. It's not like they can just go to see a band that passes through town. It's since there's no touring. I mean, it sucks for the bands in the sense that because with, with our label, like we'll give them 20% of the pressing, like all units pressed, whether it be CDs, vinyl, cassette, or all, like we give them 20% of those yeah. up front to use and just sell themselves and keep the money for, cause it's just part of the deal. We're just like, here you yeah. go. You, you use it for live shows and tour or whatever. And if you need more, just let us know. Um, so, I mean, some of those bands are, are sitting on that stuff right now. Um, but at the same time, usually they, they're, they're selling it themselves online or, um, they, they just get it through the label. Like people order it online. And, um, I don't, I, I don't know if I'd say album sales have actually like gone up. Um, I'd say they've stayed steady though. I don't think it's really affected anything mm. um, as far as like going downward. Um, right. And that's just, interesting. That's fun. Cause that's like yeah. counterintuitive to me is like, I would think because they can't get on the road and so they're not in people's faces that they're not in people's ears that it would be harder to sell records. But yeah, I, it does make sense that because there's no live shows, people are going well, I got to get it somewhere. And yeah, so they're yeah. going out and finding that music. Well, and I mean, if they're, if they're crafty about promoting themselves online and, and just doing whatever they can, you know, outside of the touring realm and, and we push it too. I mean, just kind of getting it out there, it, it helps the visibility at least. So they, you know, it's like if they, I mean, the accused they're, um, those guys have been, uh, recording like live shows, just streaming them. Um, mm -hmm. I think one of the guys from like final, Con uh, I think it's final conflict. Uh, he's been like doing the sound and like video for them. 
in their practice spot and they just film like live stream shows now just until they can get out and tour again. They were supposed to, they were supposed to like go to Puerto Rico and do this whole like East coast thing after the Maryland death fest. They did that, but then COVID hit and then they were, yeah, they had to kind of put the, put the brakes on that. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's been helping them. And I mean, everybody gets royalties and every quarter still on time. And it's just, um, I mean, in some cases it's not because there's some bands that just aren't really, they're busy, you know? I mean, yeah. it, you know, well, they, gets in the I way. mean, with the live streaming, you know, the social going live on socials and everything that's out there, I'm sure, you know, we kind of adapt right to what's going on. And I feel like, do you see like in the future, this kind of like hybrid approach of, of doing live streams and touring and everything? Do you think it's going to elevate? music um probably and, and labels i could i could see it sense. kind of merging together that'd be kind of cool to see i've never really thought about that actually now that you mention it i like it's, that yeah. never was a, a a thought in my mind but that's actually a really good i feel idea. like we're gonna see a whole new age of of music and even just marketing in general i mean we we're seeing it a lot with with social and like how you can use social for marketing yeah in anything really you know music uh, whatever, but thinking about music and and a record label, you know, and using different approaches that you've kind of learned mm-hmm. through COVID, and kind of continuing those forward, I yeah. feel like will make you a little more successful. I think that's um, totally possible. I think you do this thing where, like, uh, if you have a tour and say you're you've got like a, you know a thirty date tour, you just pick like three of the marquee shows and just make those also live streamed. Yeah. So that way, you know, like, uh, and then because there's always going to be a certain amount of your fandom that is is either a not close enough to a market that you're in, or you know, for some reason they can't make it, or you know, they got they got kids, or they you know live by Silverwood, and so they can't get out. Right. (laughs) And so you know, spending (laughs) four hours a night packing records in his garage. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so you find somebody, and then and then there could be that could just become a standard like addition to a tour is like yeah like all the ones that sell out on pre-sale or something yeah you just put like like, if you're playing an awesome venue in like chicago new york or something and then that you just know that's gonna aesthetically look cool yeah just make sure that's like a live stream one that you'll do as so that all the people in yeah you just gotta make sure the setup is pretty pretty quick and right yeah you know and like the i mean if it was planned ahead you could totally execute it without any yeah. issue and then like set up like an option on the like the ticket selling websites where it's like you know this is sold out but click this button to get yeah. like a it, maybe it's cheaper or something yeah yeah it's just like instead of a 20 dollar ticket it's 10 or something and they know, email right? you like a link yeah 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 it's really, really cool yeah. you're cool right. you're welcome if you say patent on on a podcast that means it's patent right technically it's date stamped so this is no that's I, all okay, you, right? I, I would just be more excited to see the music industry and especially like these kind of homegrown labels just become more successful with just different tactics and uh different ways of marketing and getting themselves out there and getting their bands out there Appreciate it. It would be really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, there's so many labels, now but too. I mean, just like oh anything God. else, you got to execute it right. And it's just yeah. an added thing on top of everything else. So it's yeah. like figuring out, you know, how to make it streamlined really with everybody. That's yeah. a part of it. Well, it's um, hard for me too. Cause I'm still, I feel like we've like evolved into, you know, doing things that we wouldn't have done, you know, 
10 years ago, but yeah. Um, I'm still hung up on like physical copies and stuff. So I'll be like, sure. yeah, let's, I mean, vinyl sells like, well, which and, is cool too. Yeah. Still Everybody's sell. into vinyl still. And cassettes sell. Those are harder to sell, which is weird because you hear so much about people collecting them. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, do you sell the cassette with like the download mm-hmm. in there usually? Yeah. Yeah. We throw a download card in most stuff. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. No CDs anymore. Right. No, well, no, CDs, still sell CDs, CDs actually sell pretty well. Oh, it's man. like compared to like, there was a period where like, it was really weird. Like after COVID started and everybody started locking down, like right at the beginning there, CDs were selling like crazy. Wow. Like more than vinyl. That's crazy. Like, what the hell? <laughs> so it's not Why? out quite yet. Yeah. Everybody still has a CD player in the car probably. Mm-hmm. Or it's yeah. Like, somebody, yeah. Right. Yeah. DVD bring those, ROM those big desktop. books back, you know, right. <laughs> You know, I was cleaning out my garage and I found like my old like case that's, you know, like four inches thick. Yeah. It's all yeah. the CDs in there. And I was like, man, I listen to some dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> but also still, there's some gems in there. Too. I still yeah. have all my CDs from over the years. And I mean, with the exception of a few that I've lost, but like, I can't bring myself to get rid of them. Don't oh, no, of, of course no. not. They're like on a big shelf. I have like. a box. I think I got rid of my tapes like an idiot, but really, um, or maybe they're just in a box somewhere. I don't know. Well, it's crazy, That's too, because some of those are worth, like, a ton now. Oh, I know. Like, I was looking at, you guys ever go on Discogs? No. I, it's been a long time, but, yeah, totally. Dude, it's ridiculous. Like, there are cassette tapes that are worth, like, four or 500 bucks. Yeah, because they're like, just not made anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? why Reminds me, I once found uh, when it's I was like a like a trading kid, card, you know? Yeah, it's like, ex- that's exactly right? what it's How like. do you sell them? How do you get that money? <laughs> Nobody <laughs> knows. I found, uh, I found a cassette tape um, lying on the street when I was a kid, and it was uh, a Sir Mix-A-Lot cassette tape. Bet you that should be worth something Dude. today. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. I wonder what that guy's up to. Mix. He's, he's really he's heavily in involved in the um you know the save stages. Oh thing. yeah, that's What's right. the Washington? Um, yeah, I, I don't remember the the name of the program, but yeah, mm-hmm. to, to to bring awareness to the live music and the problems going on with COVID. I don't know why I can't remember this, but anyways, keep music live, Washington. There, we that's go. It. yeah, there yeah. it is. Um, which did a, I mean, really helped. Uh, venues in washington like it actually helped kind of pass that state save stages act yeah. that went out and uh, i know you know some friends venues and you know venues are getting getting support which is awesome that's to good here you know keep those venues alive well i remember like have you guys heard of a lot of venues like shutting down in general i mean i know the pin closed yeah pin I closed yeah. i mean uh the, the since this since the spokane area and the inland northwest area i feel like it has relatively few venues in the first place mm-hmm. i don't think not a lot of them have like closed down permanently but you know, yeah there's well yeah. a lot of them doubled as like other things too right i mean like coffee ha- coffee shops a lot of stuff. them a lot yeah. of them have like secondary uses right for yeah. sure so i know some in like seattle have like moved like the crocodiles in there anymore mm-hmm. so it moved to a different location yeah. um and some of the support has kind of helped facilitate that but I haven't That's heard cool. of any like big, big venues. Yeah, I haven't heard closed, of any like marquee you know? venues that have closed down because of COVID, which gives me hope. But I think that's a lot because of the activism and the the kind of you know yeah, just finances that up like, the, the able help. To help out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess future talk like 
you started the label back up, you know, a couple of years ago, 15, 2015. Yeah, about 2014, 15. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you have, what's your like future goals for that and future goals for Scatterbox? And, um, or is it just day by day what, what you can do? Not have a heart attack and drop dead. Yeah. <laughs> working on a release. Um, there was a period, there was a year where the label put out like, some stupid amount of albums in one year and literally thought I was going to lose it. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> like went right. through like some I mental bet. shit. It I was kind of scary. Yeah. Um, I think we put out like 24 releases or something in one year. I think it was 2018. And then, um, ever since then I've kind of dialed it back <laughs> yeah. right. just for my, um, for the sake of, you know, my marriage and my, yeah. my family. That's a lot of time well put in a lot of, yeah, Unpaid it was time put in there. Yeah, it was taken away from a lot. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's been it's been a lot more mellow now. Um, you know, three, four, five max releases a year. That also kind of gives me time to like focus on them and give them the right like amount of attention that they're that they totally. deserve. You know, mm-hmm. like before I really get into like moving into the next one because it's it's hard to like maintain that for unless you have like a whole crew of people like, you know. Yeah. Oh, the promotions team, they're going to, you know, push this yeah. album for the yeah. next year solid. And the street like, team and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, that that's the thing is like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm in school full time. Uh, I went back last year and I'm just kind of fighting through the semesters while my kids homeschool in this year. She's, um, I mean, if everything goes well, she'll probably go back to public school this next year. Um, and juggling that and mm-hmm. all that stuff it's no that's great yeah trying what are you to studying at school uh finance and accounting nothing wrong with that a bunch yeah. of math stuff and math was like my my least favorite subject in school and i don't know why i went back to and, and taking and a bunch of math suffering yeah. <laughs> well you can do a lot with that well i was like a i, I it was like it, it, it makes more sense now compared to like some of the stuff I was doing, you know, growing up mm-hmm. as far as math goes. Cause I just, just was a subject that was not interesting to me at all. Um, but then I, I worked for T-Mobile for like 10 years, I worked for like, like mm-hmm. a, sure. one of their call center things. I was an operations manager there and you just crunch numbers all the time. Right. So you okay. kind of get so used it's to not, it. So. It's not unusual for you. you yeah. You so now it's just kind of like I had to like learn it over the years doing that. So like, now it's not as confusing as it was before. So right, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, I'm I'm almost done with the second semester and want to do that. But are you looking for with uh, Scatterbox? Are you looking? Are you feeling pretty good about like? Are you going to try to get to some live shows here pretty soon, or in the fall, or like how's that going to work? Yeah. Um. Well, the whole band uh, is vaccinated, from what I understand. Pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure everybody is. Um. So. We there. We got invited to play like an outdoor block party thing. Um, just you know, something local mm-hmm. uh, in yeah. July or August, I think. Um, I think it's actually August, and uh, it's like I think the Coeur Skate Park Association people are, are putting it on. I think they have something to do with it. I, I don't cool. know all the details, but um, yeah, that we got asked to do that, and then. Uh, I don't know what else we have going on other than just writing, I'm just trying to finish. Oh, that's you know, great. We got to get you to Spokane. Album. We got to play a show together. It'd be nice. Um, I, it's been a long time. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's 
it's a trip to think it's been over a year, just even so like since this whole thing started that. Yeah. Everybody's just been kind of yeah. like hurrying well, up and waiting. Yeah. Know? A lot of people are like late summer for shows, but I, I feel like through the summer we can do some outdoor stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Um, depending on where that's at, you know, and crowd control and making yeah. sure people are safe still. Yeah. Did you hear about the thing in New York? No. A couple days what, ago. What was that? No. So I guess the guy, you, you remember that hardcore band, uh, Madball? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So those guys in um, John Joseph, the guy from Cro-Mags. He he's the singer of Blood Clot, like him and Madball and these other bands like played mm-hmm. this big thing in New York, uh, in a big park. Like just recently, yeah, like, like two thousand people, oh, and uh, they filed a permit. They had they had a permit, I guess, and they yeah. got approved for it. But I guess they kind of they didn't I, either. They didn't expect it to be as big of a turnout as they got, yeah. or they were totally bullshitting on the paperwork because yeah. it said like. How can you up to a hundred people. Okay. Right, right. But it's mad ball, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like 30 years or something. Yeah. And so, yeah. live music's been dead for a year. Right. Like, people are itching for that. <laughs> yeah. Right, you know, so outside, you know, 2000 people, no masks. Yeah. Um, the internet's just, and <laughs> yeah. If you, you could just, you could go Mosh pit and join especially that kind of music. You're totally you're like you could, circle pit shit right yeah. there. <laughs> you could get on Facebook right now though. And, and just join any hardcore punk like music group. And just and they're doing, dude. Everybody's just having a heyday on it. Yeah, yeah. there's some funny shit coming out, like memes. Like right. okay. stuff, I'll check that out. That's some hilarious. of the stuff people are saying is hilarious. But yeah, I mean, I I get it. Like I get it, and I you know I see a lot of the back and forth about masks and you know distancing and you know oh it's time to get on with life and all that. And I mean I get it. I totally understand. Like I wanna I wanna understand like and and at least try to like see where both sides of the coin are like coming from. Right. Yeah. Sure. Like the, the anti folks and like the people who are, I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, I got to hug my parents for the first time, uh, Friday night after a, over a year. Yeah. So like, That's, oh. uh, that was a trip. Mm. Um, yeah, me too. And that like was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And that was like, uh, that's the direction that my parents went, you know, they were just like, we're not, we're not risking it. I mean, they're, they're, they're compromised. They, you know, they're up there. It makes sense. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just personally, I, I'd feel pretty awful if I wasn't trying to do something responsible ish, I guess Mm -hmm. for the greater good, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. But yeah, it totally sucks. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's not fun. And I'm ready to give some high fives and hugs, man. You totally. Know, like, <laughs> I'm ready to get in that mosh pit, man. Yeah, yes. right? I'm ready yep. to get in that old school scatterbox mosh pit. Let's yeah. do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't been one of those in like, uh, well, for me, it's been a lot of years. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah. People spit spit beer on you bit. at Mootsies. Uh, yeah. In the middle of your yeah. yeah. Um, so so what, uh, what ways can the community and people support, you know, black house records and scatter bar scatter box, you know, websites. Anything. Um, yeah. I mean, it just, it, it's funny. Cause it's like, do anybody, do people like go to the actual like websites anymore? Like I feel like they question. only go to like Maybe. Instagram yeah, and Twitter. The, the, and all the Instagrams. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're on all that stuff. I mean, as far as the label goes, um, shit, we've got Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, even, uh, yeah. Follow it all. Still, yeah, you're still tumbling. Huh? You didn't get that yeah. TikTok. You didn't get that Black House TikTok yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. 
not going there yet. We have a Black House OnlyFans though. So if you guys wanna, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, All black. It's cheap. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it. Um, I mean, as far as Scatterbox goes, pretty much the same thing. Um, the the official site for Black House is just BlackHouseRecordsInc.com. Um, but all the stuff that gets posted on there just gets fed to all the social pages too. Sure. So not too, not too hard to find us. We're around. If you just remember the name, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you got to just remember Scatterbox, you can remember Black House Records, you know, yeah. that's the and, awesome. and, uh, converse with your Googs <laughs> on that. <laughs> yeah. Google that Goog- shit. Google it. <laughs> Get that Googs. <laughs> yeah. Well, GTS. We want to thank Scott for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been good. Yeah, it's good to see you guys. Yeah, it's so good to see you. Yeah, it's a blast from the past right here. Yeah, but uh, excited, you know, for the, for the future. Yeah, same here. Yeah, hopefully the summer will be uh, a lot more fun than last summer. <laughs> well, it'll be more fun than last summer. Yeah, I think it'll be a legendary yeah. summer. I think we're gonna have a good time. It'll this be summer. a good time yeah, as long sure. as everybody get vaccinated. Get yep. vaccinated. Yep. All right, eyes and ears podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Bill. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Peace.